Being great at sales is essential to your business and your career, but you and I both know that the stress of selling and dealing with constant rejection can be an emotional drain. My entire brand, No BS Selling, is based on the belief that professional sales is a skill and not a personality, and that to be better at sales takes constant refinement and a dedication to your craft. This show is for salespeople and entrepreneurs who are committed to improving their sales skills and getting better results and are sick and tired of the BS game that often happens between buyers and sellers. Welcome to the No BS Sales Podcast, and I'm your host, Walker McKay. I'll help you and your sales team make selling easier, feel less cheesy, and be more lucrative. It's time to change the rules and level the playing field between you and the people you sell to. You're already good. Let's be better. Welcome to the No BS Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Walker McKay. I am really excited to have Jennifer Sutton on the show today. Jennifer is the founder and CEO of Brighton Company. They're marketing an advertising firm in Greenville, South Carolina. And Jennifer and I are gonna talk today about making the jump from being a solopreneur to being a business owner, which is something that she's gone through and she's gonna share some stuff with us, some actionable ideas of how to, how to make that jump if you wanna do that. So Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me, I appreciate it. I'm so glad to have you. Um, it's funny, I knew about you before I met you. You've come recommended by several of the folks who have been on my podcast before, so I'm glad to have you on the show today. Tell me about Brighton Company. What is that? So Bright, Bright & Co., we are a full-service marketing and advertising agency. Uh, we were founded in 2013 when I started the company. Uh, we're located in downtown Greenville, and we founded it with the idea that um, agencies could serve the business community in a better way. Um, Interesting. So, all right. So, um, give me a little bit of your background and what drove you from saying, I want to be, you know, I'm a solo, because I think you were successful as a solopreneur. Um, and then you wanted to grow a company. Tell me about kind of your background and how you got there and what was, what made you go to the jump of wanting to run a company? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it happened just organically. So my background is I've spent, um, over 20 years on, in marketing, on the agency side of the business. So I've spent time in big agencies, small agencies from the Midwest and then here in South Carolina, Greenville. And um, I, I grew up on the agency side in the disciplines of market research, research design, and media planning and buying. Um, so I was kind of considered the data nerd of the team, <laughs> um, the, the lover of spreadsheets and systems and processes. And, you know, that was kind of the, the you know, what I was known for. Um, and, and I got frustrated with the, I would consider the traditional agency model of, I, you know, to, to um, hear clients get frustrated for uh, multiple reasons of either work, just too many bureaucratic layers in larger agencies where it just felt like it took forever to get a campaign out the, des the, the door or to feel like um, you, uh, the clients felt like, well, I guess I got the C team this time um, versus the A team. And, and a lot of it wasn't necessarily, you know, I think that happens in agencies of you hire the best talent based on your, the, the salary and not based on true talent. Ah. Um, and then also just talent that, you know, how to, how to keep creatives motivated and, and how to get the best work out of the creative. Um, 
And, and you know, so, so you'd feel those frustrations from the client or some agencies I worked for, um, and some of the reasons why I left was where departments were set up as profit centers. Um, yep. And so a lot of times agencies' bottom line was put um, before the client's best interest. That is and shocking. That, that only happens in the agency business. Nobody yeah. else does that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's frustrating, you know, and like as a team member to go, I know that's not the best solution. Right. Um, and, and, you know, so that's de demotivating. And then other, other things of we're, we're really, um, as technology and tools and, and marketing and the landscape has changed so much, uh, agencies, I don't think evolved, um, to meet the needs of the, the, the new landscape of, right. uh, you know, agencies were set up with departments and those departments were silos. So there wasn't a really a holistic view of, the campaign of the, the paid media program didn't necessarily integrate with the website or the social media campaign or public relations or, you know, the lead, you know, the sales um, lead management and CRM strategies weren't even connected or integrated at all with, you know, with the brand, um, with the, the rest of the campaign. So um, traditional agencies just weren't set up to really look at that holistic um, and integrative view of how the dots all connected um, and so therefore you know I would look at it because again I come from that you know the market research and I could see the 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 uh, where the dots need to be connected but I was only one person at the agency right. um, trying to connect those dots and and really looking at how we're just you know, the, every asset's not being used to its fullest. Um, right. But let me slow you down for a second, yeah. because you were making the shift, you were in the, um, working for a big agency, and you began to see frustrations. What year was yeah. that? When, when did that kind of come to, what year did that come to a head for you? So I started seeing, you know, getting more frustrated, I think in 20, you know, 2012. Um, and then I ended up leaving um, the, the agency world and kind of going out on my own in 2013. So this uh, is the dawn of the dawn of social media marketing, correct? Is that about 2012, 2013? Yeah, social media, and then also the the, the resurgence of kind of programmatic and digital media, and, and how you know you could really do some advanced things in um, digital advertising. All right, let me slow down for a second. Let me slow you down again. What is what is you use some terms that um, oh, yeah. maybe some people don't know. What is what is programmatic advertising and what is in digital? Just to make that clear, what is programmatic advertising and digital branding? Yeah, so what programmatic is a term that is a it's considered real time um, buying of of digital advertising. So that would be banner ads that you might see on a website or or um, a, a sponsored post inside of Facebook. So, yep. um, but, but programmatically, I, you can buy based on a demographic filter, a it. geographic filter, or contextual, behavioral. So you can really target very finely um, your audience. So you're kind of buying right time, right place to the right people with very little waste. So was it, the case in, yeah. was it the case in the bigger agencies, perhaps, that the suits, the people who were running the shop were older and therefore not, didn't see the importance? Of, I, may, I know, I guess it changes from time to time, yeah. but I, um, I've, I've had some, you know, folks as clients who were in that business before, and they said, you know, they kind of got underrun um, by the quote younger people because they didn't get it as fast as the other people did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, because there, yeah, there's the the older um, 
but I was like, I'm not a young spry. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I started I'm 54, the company, I'm in right? my so, 40s. Yeah. So, uh, so I would say just kind of looking at, you know, I, I listened to what the clients were complaining about and, and trying to, you know, reshape, reorganize, whether it's reorganize literally the processes um, so that how do we, how do we take away the layers so that we're more nimble and agile to meet the client needs but also looking at, hey, we've got to restructure how our teams are formed so that the media department and the, and the digital department building the websites are informed of, of how are we going to execute this plan? Do we need to build six different landing pages to make that camp, the, the campaign come to life? And a lot of times it just, you know, larger agencies are, it's just too cumbersome. Those silos are there. So what was the straw uh, that broke the camel's back for you? What was it that made you say, F this, I'm leaving the damn big agency. Uh, did, and did you have a plan when you did that? Or did you just pull uh, Walker McCain and say, fuck it, I'm out of here? No, uh, a little bit, a little bit of that. Actually, um, <laughs> I got, I got frustrated of, you know, basically I was told I have, I hit a glass ceiling and a salary mm. cap. Uh, I, I was working 90 hours a week, um, uh, but yet I was, you know, I was one of the highest billable um, people within the agency, and I just didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. I could see where we weren't going to change to really to meet the the new landscape or how we really could serve the you know the clients in the best way. And I, the catalyst was my, this was in um, the summer of 2013, my father-in-law passed away. Mm. And, um, you know, we went back to, to Indiana and we were up there dealing with, you know, family, um, financials and all that. Yeah. Uh, and and I, my phone was just ringing off the hook from past clients, past colleagues I had worked with who were given their condolences. And... Uh, started saying, hey, Jennifer, had you, have you ever thought about going out on your own? Because I could really use, or, or would you ever freelance? Um, and, and honestly, I didn't, I had never really thought of it until those colleagues were, were approaching, um, were approaching me. And I, you know, I was like, well, what would that look like? You know, so a, a couple of them came back and said, I only need you for like five hours a week. Right. Help me prepare my board, my board packets. Um, really look at my strategy. Help me kind of the, the, the metrics of, of what I need to deliver up to the board. Um, and this is what I'd pay you for that. And then another person came back and said, I need, you know, can you develop my media plan and run my media program? I think it's only going to be 15, 20 hours a week. What would that look like? And so before we even left Indiana, I had two contracts that had come in and it was, you know, 20, 25 hours a week. Again, my context was here, I'm busting at 90 hours a week. And also I was traveling 10 days out of the month. Ugh. So I was gone a lot, and I have, you know, I had four kids. My youngest at that time was was two. All right, so, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now stop for a second. Uh, this is going to teach me something about you. You were already yeah. working ninety hours a week with four kids, and you just yep. accepted two contracts to do five and twenty-five hours a week on top of that. Or is yeah. this what you said? I'm going to quit. I'm going to accept these contracts. So this is yeah. So my, my I looked. I was like, honey, look at this. You know, I think my husband, and he said, wait a minute. This is for twenty twenty-five hours a week. And between these two contracts, it's gonna, it's a little over 70% of your salary today. When we get back to, to Greenville, you're putting in your notice. <laughs> um, he said, because John Reed's like, I know you, you are passionate about marketing and, and the, the, the industry and the marketplace. 
So you're going to figure it out. Let's do a year. You can either continue to build the capacity of just taking on contracts and being, you know, just kind of an entrepreneur, independent contractor. He was like, you could go work for another agency, but let's give the time to be able to find, because you've already been told you have no future where you are. So so take that opportunity. And he's like, you've always talked about, you might want to go corporate and be a brand manager, a VP of marketing or a CMO somewhere. He was like, explore that, but let's take a year and you have three paths. And honestly, those were the three paths that I looked at at the time. Uh, And, you know, that was the summer of 2013. Within just a few months after I put in my notice, my phone started ringing off the hook from past colleagues, from past, you know, from from people working that I worked with at other agencies, um, past clients um, who said, whoa, you, you know, if you're really on your own and just, I started picking up contracts, um, started picking up work, and then I started realizing I missed working with especially with like old creative directors and other media people and other research designers and copywriters. And I mean, just like the best people in the field. And I, you know, by October or November of that year, it was, oh my gosh, I miss working with the best and brightest. Why are we, why can't we not form, you know, an an agent? Why Why can't I develop an agency to bring a lot of these independent contractors and build systems and processes um, that we can grow organically and I can match up the the passions and strengths of all of these people and do it under an umbrella and deliver the results the clients are looking for kind of under one roof. So December- Let me stop you for a second because I, I want to I take you back to something you said about a minute ago yeah. that I'm curious about. I think what a wonderful maybe gift is not the right word, but what a wonderful um, person your husband is for recognizing that in you and saying, take a year. Because I don't know, my guess is y'all don't have a whole lot of money sloshing around over yeah. more than anybody else. But what is, is he a business guy? Is he a professional guy? What is his story? So um, his, his background, he's a, he's a financial person. So okay. he, was a, he was a broker, um, yep. financial planner for Scott Trade for about 20 years. Uh, and, and, and really, you know, our dynamic is I'd always been the breadwinner. I mean, but he, the, um, he'd always had the more the stable job where it was yep. at eight to five um, so that I could have these crazy hours and, and travel and, and deal with, because that's kind of, what was my passion and that was how I had energy. And so that was our, we had a very reversed, I think, household of, you know, he ran the financials, the checkbook, you know, did, did all that. And, and, um, and I, I was more of that, the, the lead in the, from a breadwinner standpoint, but um, we bounced, we co-parented. It was kind of like, we always said, who's going to be the lead parent today, Um, depending on, you know, what our schedules were and, Um, and, and he went through his own kind of evolution of, as I started building the company and, and you know, working out the dining room table between myself and, and I, you know, as I started adding people and he would look to go, what are you writing a check for? Um, and why are you paying, you know, so he kind of took over our books and within, you know, he came on full time as actually our CFO a little less than three years ago um, because that his Scott trade got bought out by Ameritrade that I think it got bought out again. Yep. And that was all happening at that same time. And so it just, you know, it worked out where, you know, he, he, 
he does our books and he manages our, our financials, which wow. is my biggest weakness. And oh, so, so then, Jennifer, hold on a second now. So in, in this time you started, um, were you bringing on people as 1099s? Did you bring on people as contractors? Or are you actually hiring employees? So the first um, three years, we just, we did 1099 and we had independent contractors that were, um, uh, you know, based on 40 hour week, or sometimes it was based on a monthly of 200 hours in a month. And, and it was a defined, you know, as we wanted to make sure that we were playing nice with the, with the IRS definitions of, yes. of, you know, people were using their own equipment. We weren't dictating hours. It was really about here's the projects, here's the scope, and here's the deliverables, and this is what we need. And um, but that was how we, you know, we we built the company, and and we would have, I think, year three we had five kind of I would say full time equivalent um, 1099s that were full time in their capacity. Right. So, uh, and then um, I mean I wasn't even a full time employee. I mean I was still. So what are the other, besides the people who you had to hire to do the work, mm -hmm. right? Who are the, who are the um, digital people and the yeah. copywriters? Like, who else did you, who was, what was kind of the first position you had to hire outside of somebody who was directly part of, um, you know, they weren't directly on the bring money inside. Yeah. So that would have been my, I'll call my chief of staff. Um, and she's the, I would call it resource manager. So she's the one that helped me build. So let me take a step. So, so our business model, the way that we've kind of built it a little bit uniquely and organically, it, you know, like I said, it was kind of these, all these independent contractors of an art director that uh, lost their job in 2008, 2010 from an agency, tremendous brand experience, but decided I will never go work for an agency. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we're trying to be their own like one-stop shop and not doing that well because art directors shouldn't be doing media spreadsheets and contact reports and Going um, to find new clients, you know, do, do those things. And so, and same with copywriters and, you know, in that world. So I started building this network of, of, um, of people uh, of, of various disciplines and started negotiating kind of what rate would they give me versus what rate do they give the client, it's, especially if I take on the project management, the systems and the process and make their life easier Yeah. Um, and the billing and all that. So there was a lot of trades that like, art director would go, Jabber, if you can just load me up of 30 hours a week of just doing logo work because that's what I love to do. Um, then that's how I started having those conversations versus, you know, somebody was like, well, I do all of this. And it'd be, no, what do you do really, really well? And what do you love to do? Yeah, so let's try to energy. match those things up. So we started building that network of 100 to 200 of those people. Whoa. Um, across not just you know we've got a great creative community here, but we started branching out of my contacts throughout the Midwest you know, contacts that were in California, contacts in New York, of, you know, and, and where people kind of had migrated to. Um, and, and we started kind of formulating that type of collaborative um, uh, uh, consortium in a well, way. Let me stop you again. Yep. So I love and I always admire people who think big and you're a builder, right? You're somebody yep. who's like, build, 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 build. Tell me about when you grew up, 
Yeah. Was your were your family a business family entrepreneurs or is this are you just like some relic from just outer space that landed? Yeah. <laughs> no, my parents. I did not come. My parents were workaholics and very passionate within their industries, but they both came from. My mother was a director of nursing wow. um, in the geriatric field, so she was a DON wow. in nursing home facilities for fifty years. She just oh. retired. Um, so she, that's what she did. Um, my, my father, um, was a reverend, a Methodist, um, uh, he went to Duke Divinity School and, uh, and then only did that for a short time, uh, and found a passion out of one of his co congregation of somebody that had a, um, uh, a lost family member with, that was, um, with autism, he, yeah. you know, profoundly retarded um, person mm -hmm. that uh, they remember, vaguely remember the, the sibling and was shipped off to the state hospital. And my dad went on this mission to find the sibling and what he found, um, and this was at the, one of the Georgia State Hospital of uh, mental, mental Health, that people with um, any kind of mental behavior um, were chained Oh. And, uh, in basement in, in their own, like from, from children to adults in, in their own feces and, you know, hardly any clothes were treated really as animals. And he changed his, his mission and his, his passion became to how do I have, how do we, we create a world where uh, people with mental disabilities are seen as equal. Um, wow. so changing kind of the model of the, you know, the model homes, those, you know, the, the community homes, how do you get people out of the state hospital? How do you educate parents of how to, how to keep people at home um, and in a sustainable way? And, you know, so he did that up until his death in 2008. So, so you, yeah, I so come very come, passionate people within yeah. the healthcare world, but we're not, yeah. But so you have, again, it does come from, you grew up in a house full of, if you will, a passion or a zeal for, um, you know, helping other people for yeah. creating things and making changes, right? And um, so serving, serving others around you. Yeah. So, yeah. It sounds to me like, again, you've done that now or you're doing that now and you're building this agency. How many full time employees do you have now? And then I want to back up and ask you a couple things, you mm -hmm. know, some advice you'd have for other people and maybe Absolutely. who it's right for and who it's not right for. Yeah. So we are, we are at um, 20 FTEs today. Wow. And, and then we have uh, our network of, uh, of uh, a little over 100 um, people that have been pre-vetted um, across different various disciplines from, you know, like content writers, art directors, video photographers, whatever, that um, we tap into to be able to scale real quickly for our clients. Um, so, you know, an example I give of last year, for, you know, first quarter of last year, we were doing a huge product launch uh, for a client. Well, we had, you know, in first first quarter, close to 40, I would say, full-time equivalent people because right. we had to bring on um, 20 additional staff that were working, you know, 40, 50 hours a week to get the product launches out the door. But then once that, you know, we don't need those people anymore, yeah. that we don't have to carry that overhead. Um, and also what we found too, there's a lot of people that want to work that way. So, yeah, right. you know, really, especially in the creative environment, there's a lot of folks that like to come in who are great at um, certain things, certain clients, they're passionate, they will give us their all. 
but they're happy to be, to stay independent and and um, and become dedicated to Bright when we, when we need them. So tell me something, all right? So um, you and I were talking earlier before the show, and you said you talked about taking you know a solopreneur business, yeah. a one person kind of shop, to a business, and you said um, it is not you know not everybody has the skills to do that, not everybody yeah. should do that. Tell me what is it, I've kind of heard your drive inside, right? I hear about your husband who supported you and kind of gave you, uh, I'm going to call it walls and infrastructure Mm -hmm. and hugs to kind of hold it all together. He gave me a nest. He gave you, that's exactly the word I'm looking for. He gave me a nest to to thrive in. So So tell me what is it that, what's advice, how does somebody know, how would somebody know that they're ready, number one, to quit their job and do a solopreneur thing? And then number two, what's a sign um, that they need to be building a company? And maybe that's the wrong question, but let's just start there. Yeah. Um, So uh, are are you the right person to like, you know, take the risk? Because it is, it is a, it is, it's nerve wracking because there is a lot of risk. I mean, we, when he gave me, you know, I would say the permission to say, look, we'll just, we'll figure it out. Yep. We'll make cutbacks. We'll we'll um, if we have to sell our house, we we'll do it. You know, let's just but let's try it because it was. I mean, you're you're basically cutting your your household income. Yep. Um, and, and even if you don't have things lined up, I mean, they always say you know before you leave your current company, you need to have that plan in place. You should have things lined up. I had things lined up. So there were, I left right. the company in July. My yep. contract started in August and September. So th- there there was a, at least a nest of, of some kind of comfort. Yeah, that some income, some, right? Something was going to come in, right? Yeah. right? Um, and to give that, you know, and then just having that framework of a time frame, which I needed to go, you know what, I got to I got to bust it. I can't let my family down. I have a year to figure this thing out. Um, and, and I was fortunate that um, I, I thought I, you know, I, I built a, an image and a brand for myself that that was very humbling, that when your phone does ring off the hook and people remember working with you 10 years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, and they had a good memory, a good experience, and they continue to follow you know, you on LinkedIn. I mean, that was, it was a very humbling. Um, yeah, I found the same. Uh, You're exactly um, right. It, you know, to, to hear those stories and people kind of coming out of, the, out of the woodwork to say, you know what, I want to work with you again. And also the drive to go, when you give, when you're given those opportunities, don't let those people down. Right. So, so what is this? I mean, cause clearly you went from solopreneur and then I don't know if it was a conscious decision of yours or just was a function of what was going on around you. Did you say, it's time I scale this and build a company or did it just happen around you? Um, I, two things. I think, you know, I, I wasn't, um, it was not my intention to, to build an, an agency. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so it was interesting, you know, one of the paths, remember I was saying that one of the paths that um, I could have taken was to go work for another agency. Yep. And so as I was talking to other, you know, agency principals who were like, Jennifer, if we bring you in, it was, you know, I'm, I'm listening to how their background and, and, you know, how they started the agency. And, and as I'm, and I'm sitting there going, I have more agency experience than a lot of the agency principals that I'm here talking to, talking to, um, what, if they can do it, why, why, why can't I, um, 
And so I, every time I would have those interviews, that, that's what I left with in my mind. What, uh, does anything still anymore, because you've been doing this, you've, you've had um, Bright & Co. Bright Co. for how many years now? Yeah, going on, yeah, we're, we're six years. Uh, do you ever yeah. have any doubt? I mean, does it ever, in the middle of the night, you wake up and go, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like, Good, it's not yeah, just me. Every time, every time we add, you know, because uh, I would say year three is when we, we evolved to go, we need to bring on um, actual FTEs, like, at, you know, um, full-time full yeah. uh, W-2 uh, employees, because we, we need to recruit and retain top talent. And as we, you know, as we have the discussions of interviewing people, I mean, we always kind of look make the decision up to that that person of hey do you guys do you want to be an independent contractor you're leaving the agency or you're leaving your company you can stay you can we'll hire you as a 1099 yeah here's some of the rules and the frameworks around that um and this is the compensation under that model or do you want us do you need to be a w-2 um and then this would be the framework and the compensation around that and um, we were finding that we were not able to recruit some of the, the talent because they wanted the stability right. of, of a W-2 relationship. And also we lost people because they felt um, not, I would say, unstable being in this environment. Um, well, of, sure. Of, and some of these people are ones that... Yeah. Some of these are ones that have already gotten, you know, for lack of a better term, pitched off the deck of the big agencies before. So they became 1099s, not from their own choosing, but from a way to make a living. And so they probably are trying to ease back toward, not ease back, but get back to some form of what they feel like anyway is security. Right. Or we're trying to recruit people that are actively at agencies and, and trying to bring them over. So that's that was part of the evolution. And that was, you know, that's nerve wracking. Of, oh, my gosh, that's a... You know, that's a financial commitment. Also, you have to start thinking about, okay, now we've got to do benefits packages and, and how do we round out, you know, our, what's our culture? Um, and now we've got this blend of, you know, W-2s and 1099s and how do, we, um, how do we play nice together? How do we still feel like we're one agency, one team? How do you do that? So uh, we're, we're, we're still evolving on that, but yeah. Of course. We, we, um, we built a three-year strategic plan um, in 2018, revised it to really make it be in 20, like at the end of 2019 to be a five-year strategic plan. And a part of that um, was let's define our culture. Let's define how kind of how we, how we work together. And um, actually we're having our, our company retreats tomorrow afternoon tomorrow cool. uh, we're bringing everybody together and we're going to present the here's the plan here's can you share a, can you share with me when you guys said you figured out your we had to define our culture working on that can you is that something that you can put into words yeah so little things like i mean where there's um uh well I, it's like i wish i had my little document in front of me but little things like uh we never say like contractor is is a bad word in our in our agency. Um, we don't say freelancer. So whether you're a W two or a ten ninety nine, whether you work here, you know, forty and and maybe only like once over the break in front of our clients or even to each other, we right. should not distinguish 
that it's almost like an art vernacular. What we've had, we've talked about it. Of that's like asking somebody their salary. Yeah, right. Got it. Makes you know, it's that's private. It's confidential. They're a teammate, yeah. um, and and they work side by side. We're so you know so things like um, we're 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 all teammates here. We use the word we. It's never I. So even if you feel like you did it yourself and you wrote that document, it is we did this. Um, so that everybody feels like they are armed with a whole lot of other people behind them supporting them. Cool. Um, as I communicate to the client, we are highly collaborative. Um, we believe in teamwork and respect. Uh, that we, you know, it's all about kind of all, uh, 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 cognitive um, personality test. That's uh, it's called a Colby index, I love the which Colby. outlines, yeah, so how people think the way that people yep. process information. And so we're gonna do little exercises like, well, who is good at this? So yep. we've got good brainstormers. Well, they might be not even creative. Yes, so, right, let me slow you down for a second again. So you've had now- anywhere. Yep. All right, one, one more thing. You have, um, yep. You've had six years of, of experience. And if it's like me, you got, the, you got all the rainbows and the skid marks yep. of six years in business, right? And if there were one piece of advice that you would offer somebody that, you know, who is where you were six years ago, right? They've, they've, uh, they've already decided they've either made the leap um, or they're getting ready to make the leap or um, to, you know, leaving their big corporate thing. What kind of advice would you give somebody? Yeah. So I would say sit down and really have a, I would say just a come to Jesus with yourself of wh what is the vision? of why are you leaving? What is the, I mean, that's kind of what I had to do when, like I said, all these people were, you know, calling out, you know, we started working on these clients together, you know, and it was, okay, if I'm going to create an agency, what is the vision of that agency? There's a lot of ex-agency people that start agencies. Why am I, why am I different? Yeah. Um, and so I had a, you know, thought very hard of what does that look like? Um, and so, I, and I knew that's why the, why, that's why the name is Braco. That's why it's not Sutton Strategies or Sutton <laughs> Writing. You know, I wanted the, the agency to be bigger than me. Yeah. Uh, and that was the, that was something that was intentional from the beginning of, even though it took two years before I really brought somebody on, you know, full time, um, I knew I had to figure out how to scale beyond me. Yeah, um, fascinating. And so, well, listen, I, I want to tell you, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to your story and I've loved um, hearing your process. And I also love your passion. I think that's many times, that's what entrepreneurs who can make it, yeah. who do make it, that's what they have. And it's because I think passion also brings resiliency. Yes. And I believe that you clearly have shown a bunch of that with your different work. Um, tell me something. Jennifer, how would people get in touch with you if they wanted to find you? So you go to our website, and that is um, bright, B-R-I-G-H-T-C-O, marketers.com, brightcomarketers.com. You can email me at uh, info at I-N-F-O at brightcomarketers.com. Um, there's also play, there's, there's some playbooks on our website that if anybody wants to look at kind of our approaches to things and how we think, um, there are about three playbooks on on the website that you can download. Um, one around kind of our approach to digital, our approach to integrating 
integrated um, um, marketing, you know, planning. And I think there's one on um, uh, on search, like all just the the, the landscape of search. So. Cool. Hey, that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, Guys, um, no BS sales team, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Jennifer Sutton is a fireball. She's super smart. She's got a great reputation and she's been really fun to talk to. Um, I hope you guys, if you like this, please rate it and review it. Share it with your friends. I've also enjoyed thoroughly many of you people have been emailing me and saying, hey, Walker, love this about that. Or here's a question about that. Will you forward this to your guests? If you want to do that, my email is walker at walkermckay.com. I have a newsletter that goes out every week. If you want to be part of the newsletter, uh, it sends an episode of the podcast. It's got some video stuff that I do, some articles that I'm reading, and also kind of a reading list, a book reading list I'm working on. So if you want to um, get that, if you type the letters N-O-B-S, N-O-B-S to the number 66866. N-O-B-S to the letter, to the number 66866. That'll put you on an email list. And um, you'll be the first ones to learn about the different new things that we're doing. So, Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. I can't, you've really been a great guest. And My I'm pleasure. excited to be, I'm excited to have spent time with you. And I look forward to spending more time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Walker. You're welcome.